You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And hello, everyone. Welcome to another Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live. My name is Philip Rossman-Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com, as well as the host of Locked On Magic. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at underscore omd or at omagicdaily. And, of course, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device if you have not done so already. On today's Facebook Live, I'm going to quickly talk about the Magic's loss to the Boston Celtics. Not a good, good game by any stretch of the imagination. Um, as the season starts to kind of meander toward its conclusion. Uh, we got, what, 14 games, I think, left in the season. Hard to believe that it's almost over. This homestand, really the last, in my opinion, the last real opportunity for the Magic to maybe get some growth and get some of the, uh, get some of the development that they want to see from this group as a whole. Uh, but obviously, a lot of the focus in the future is going to be on the players that will be here moving forward, specifically that pairing of Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac. I'll talk about that more toward the end of the show. I've got the NCAA tournament on. We're recording this on a Sunday afternoon. So I've got Butler versus Purdue getting ready to go on my TV. Uh, no NBA prospects in that game, especially with Isaac Haas out with the elbow injury. So not a lot to talk about there. But if you have any questions, if you're watching on Facebook Live about the NCAA tournament about uh, any of the college prospects, feel free to drop them in. I've gotten a few already, so I want to make sure that I get to them. So if I'm a little behind on comments today, uh, mostly it's because I'm trying to keep up with with everything that's going on. So thank you all for watching and participating here. That's what I want the Facebook Live to be. Um, I've got my brackets. They're they're pretty destroyed right now. You can you can see all the X's uh, if you're watching on Facebook Live. Um, not not going too good. I, I've lost. Uh, one Elite Eight team in Virginia, but I think everyone lost them. So uh, hopefully your brackets are doing a hair bit better. But let's dive right into things here with the Magic's loss against the Boston Celtics. Can't ignore it. It happened. We got to talk about it just for a little bit. The Magic's offense was bad. That's 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 the first place to start. It was a, a terrible offensive night. It really started from the beginning. Orlando was not making shots that they have to make, quite frankly. Uh, layups, open threes. As, as hot as the Magic were against the Milwaukee Bucks on Wednesday, they were that cold against the Celtics on Friday. And this is kind of continuing a little bit of a troubling trend, I think. Orlando shot 39.1% from the floor, 5 for 28 from beyond the arc. That's 17.9%. You take this game with the loss of the Jazz, with the loss of the Spurs, and that makes three of the last six games... Well, Orlando has failed to eclipse 90 points. That's got to be a little concerning because, I mean, if there's one thing that we can say about this Magic team, it's that they can put up some points. I mean, they're not the greatest offense in the world in the in the NBA or among the NBA teams, but they can put up points, and we know that they can. And yeah, injuries have depleted a lot of the team's offense, but at this point, the one thing the Magic... I mean, the Magic should really be relying on their defense more than their offense, but this team has some offensive talent. And so to see them struggle as much as they did in Friday's game and really over the last two weeks now, to me, that shows, A, maybe a little bit of, of letting go of the rope, a little bit of kind of play, not playing for each other as much, or you know maybe that's not the right word, but not executing at the level they need to execute. I mean, to be, to be frank... This is a, a bad team. We know they're not going to win as we're not going to win many games. There's going to be moments where the offense struggles. 
But for it to struggle for a full 48 minutes in the way that the Magic have struggled in, again, three of the last six games on offense, knowing that they can put up 120 points, to me, that sign is more concerning than anything else. To me, that is... Uh, uh, an issue that the Magic have to resolve because, I mean, if they're going to draw energy, defensive energy from their offense, they better be playing better offense. Again, you shoot 39.1% from the floor, 5 for 28 from beyond the arc. Nikola Vucevic got off to a slow start, 6 for 14 shooting, scored only 12 points. Uh, Jonathan Simmons had 13 points on 5 for 15 shooting after his career game. Um, it's just uh, uh, a lot of just bad, bad offense all night long. I mean, Second unit, right now the second unit is being led by Shelvin Mack. Um, he's getting pretty much alpha minutes with that second unit. Um, that's not ideal. That's just that's just not going to get the job done. That's I mean, I, I like Shelvin Mack. I think he's had a very, very good season. Um, I think he's, he's played a lot better than a lot of us probably expected he would play. Uh, but he, he is not the kind of player who should be having the ball in his hands with the role to create for others. And that's increasingly what we're seeing, and that's increasingly why I think the Magic second unit is really struggling. Now, having said that, I thought the second unit did a really good job against the Celtics, uh, brought some good energy, didn't get the shots to go down, but in the fourth quarter was a big reason why the Magic made the score at least look respectable. Orlando trailed by as many as, um, I think the biggest lead of the game was 24. Magic trailed by as much as 24 points. Looked like they were going to get blown out. Looked like they weren't even going to hit 80 in this game. Uh, but they found, but they found a way. They 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 played hard to the end of the game, and and I, you got to give them a little bit of credit for that. I mean, I agree with Frank Vogel, who said after the game that the Magic. Um, I, I agree with Frank Vogel, who said after the game that the Magic uh, played hard. Um, they they did play hard. I mean, I, I don't think effort is the problem with this team anymore. I, I mean, I I think there are definitely some some games where yeah, it looks like they're not playing as hard as they could or, or quite as sharp as they need to be, uh, but. I, I don't think effort was the problem Friday. Uh, they played good defense. Boston shot less than 40%. They gave up a lot of offensive rebounds, um, which is partly effort, partly just scrambling too much to cover for everyone else. Um, but the effort's there for this team right now, uh, I, I would say generally outside of the game against the Spurs. Uh, but the execution is not, and obviously that's why the results are what they are. The Celtics defeated the Magic 92-83. to Magic back in action Tuesday. We'll have a preview of the Magic's game against the Toronto Raptors as well as some Tracy McGrady discussion, because we love Tracy McGrady, and we want to talk about him, on tomorrow's, on Tuesday's episode of Locked on Magic, so be sure to subscribe to that. Again, some final stats for you on this game, not much to say. Again, Nikola Vucevic, 12 points, Jonathan Simmons, 13 points, DJ Augustin, 13 points, uh, Mario Zonia, 11, Shelvin Mack, 16 off the bench, Orlando shoots 39.1% from the floor, Boston shoots just 37.8%, but 16 offensive rebounds, including four from guard Terry Rozier, enables the Celtics to pull away and win comfortably despite the low score, 92-83. to Let's talk then a little bit about, uh, let's get to some of your questions here um, before we dive in. Uh, Cicely Morgan asked about, uh, do you think Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac still sets a lot of them to work together? I'll talk about that uh, on the second, uh, uh, on the later part of the show here. So we'll hold on to that one. Uh, Bobby Tyrone asks, Beyond the draft, what type of return could we get for Vooch? Um, you know, I, I'm going to say this up front. I, I am a Nikola Vucevic supporter. Um, you know, I like the dude personally, uh, but um, I, I don't think he is as worthy of blame as a lot of other people do. But I do agree that 
he puts a ceiling on your team and that the the Magic are probably in a situation where they need to move on from him. And it, it is probably, I mean, I wrote about this after the Magic loss to the Spurs, where it just feels like the writing is on the wall that, you know, Nikola Vucevic, for all that he does well, for all the numbers that he can produce, um, uh, for, for, for all that he can produce uh, on that, uh, on the offensive end, his poor defense, and really even some of his offensive tendencies tend to take away from the Magic and limit what they can do on the court. Um, I think it's, it's, it's really impossible to say that the Magic can be a playoff you know, championship, not, certainly not a championship contending team, but even a playoff contending team with Vucevic as their starting center. And so, honestly, when I look at this summer, I think task number one for the Orlando Magic, unfortunately, because, again, I like Vucevic, I don't think it's completely his fault that, that the rosters are just bad or that, you know, he's kind of a dinosaur in this age. I, I think task number one for the Magic this summer is they've got to trade Nikola Vucevic. And to me, at this point, it doesn't matter what you get for him. It's just, it's just time to move on. You're not going to get a first-round pick for Nikola Vucevic. Um, I, I just don't think he's valued that way. Um, like I said, I find it hard to believe that you can play with him as a starter in the NBA and compete for anything significant. So the team, so most of the teams you're going to be trading him to, they know that already, and they're going to value him like he's a bench player, like he's reserved. On top of that, you know he's got one year left on his deal. It's twelve point seven five million dollars. You've got to make salaries match because so few teams have cap room, and most teams are probably going to be looking to shed salary. So it's going to be tough to even trade Vucevic at the draft. So what do I expect to get for Nikola Vucevic? I'm probably looking at bench players, reserves, probably some, I would hope to maybe get an expiring big contract if, if, if that's the route I have to go. Um, someone that maybe you can buy out and just kind of clear off your books if you can. Um but it's obviously not an ideal situation. Um, I do think the Magic do need to move on from Vucevic this summer, um, but I'm not expecting to get a ton for Nikola Vucevic. I'm not expecting to get an impact player. I'm not expecting to get another starter. Um, I, I've kind of been floating this idea out there to people that I, I kind of feel like the Magic are going to take some steps back talent-wise next year. Obviously, they'll add this, this draft pick coming up, which I think is, is a very big piece. But the team might be... A little bit worse next year, um, you know, for lack of a better lack of better phrasing. It'll be more hopeful. You'll you'll see a future. You'll see a clear path forward. But the record may not indicate how how much how much steps the team's taken forward because right now it just feels like the Magic need to flip over the core and reset everything. And that's gonna eventually when you take a step back like that, you're gonna maybe see some struggles or, or see some changes. Uh, you know, so it, it's hard to predict what next season's gonna be like, but. I do anticipate that now is the time to move Nikola Vucevic and that, and that the Magic do need to move on and, and, and use that as kind of a, a clear step that they're moving in a new direction. And that leads into this next question I got from Cicely Morgan. Who would you draft to compliment them as well? Um, I, I imagine that's talking about uh, Jonathan Isaac and Aaron Gordon. When I look at this draft, like I've, I've said this before, I've kind of taken Marvin Bagley and uh, and Michael Porter Jr. off my board because they play the same position as Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac. So I, I'm not looking at, I'm really not looking at them at all because if I'm building around Gordon and I'm building around Isaac, I don't want another wing, another like three, four wing player um, to, to, to kind of muddle that, muddle that rotation up. 
Uh, so I, I'm not looking at them. Uh, I don't think the Magic are in a position to draft by position or to draft on need. The Magic really need to find the best player available. But having said that, I think, uh, you know, they obviously need a score. So tr- I, I do think Trey Young, uh, at least the potential of Trey Young fits, although there, there, are, I have, there, there are definitely some issues I have with him as a, as a player or some concerns I have about him as a player. Um, they, they definitely need a score. Um, but another defender wouldn't be a bad thing either. I think bringing in a Mo Bamba or Jaron Jackson Jr., a guy who can protect the paint, uh, protect the rim a little bit better, um, with the Isaac and Gordon's defensive potential, adding a shot blocker makes, suddenly makes the Magic a really dangerous defensive team. You add in a player maybe like Mikal Bridges, who projects as a really good 3 and D guy, maybe a little bit more, um, you know, not someone who can create a lot off the dribble on his own. But again, you add some perimeter defense, and all of a sudden you have this this shell of a really strong, of, of three really strong defensive players who, you know, Gordon and Isaac, I think, have shown what they can do defensively. And you project that, you know, a, a guy like Bridges could lock down on the perimeter. Um, you certainly project that a guy like Bamba can protect the paint or Jackson can protect the paint. And so... I think that those guys really, really fit well with what the Magic are trying to build. You just probably need that last scoring piece to take them over the top and, and really build up that core. And so, you know, maybe that's something that comes in the 2019 draft. Maybe that's something that comes in a trade somewhere. Um, you know, Maybe you don't need a whole lot. Maybe you just need Aaron Gordon to take another step or Isaac to take another step, which I think that they can and I think that they will. So there, there's definitely there's definitely a lot to get, get into with this draft and, and a lot of potential with this draft as well. Um, Mikey Clark asks, I know there are a lot that goes into this, but if the Magic don't draft Donkic, Young, or Sexton, are there any point guards that you think the Magic might look at in free agency or could trade for? Uh, I haven't dove deeply into free agency. It's not a great free agency point guard class. Um, it, it's just not a, a big, uh, big free agency class for point guards, and the Magic don't have a ton of money anyway. The Ma- I, I wrote an article briefly about this. Orlando essentially only has their mid-level exception to spend this summer. They only have about, uh, you know, essentially they have, they, they thought Keith Smith, our good pal of Real GM, um, has us, has uh, uh, the Magic with about $20 million of cap room. All of that's going to go to Aaron Gordon. Uh, and in fact, with Aaron Gordon's cap hold, you only have about $4 million of actual cap space that you can use, uh, you know, before dealing with Gordon. Uh, so, the Magic have to do Aaron Gordon first, and Aaron Gordon's going to eat up all the cap room that the Magic have. So essentially, the Magic only have the mid-level exception at $8 million per year. You're not going to get a starter at that level. If the Magic are looking to get a starter-quality point guard, they either got to draft them and just go with a rookie, or they got to find one in a trade. And, and yeah, it's possible that the Magic could find one in a trade. It, it's too hard to predict that and too hard to predict what team needs are going to be this far away from the summer. But I anticipate that, let's say... The Magic trade Nikola Vucevic, that's where they'll get a point guard. That That's kind of the, the deal that they'll look to get a point guard or to bring in a veteran to shore up the, the current roster more than the future roster. Um, obviously, they don't want to tie up any more money. Um, I think that's a big thing in free agency. I don't expect the Magic to be very active in free agency because they don't want to tie up more money. They're already going to be spending a big contract on Aaron Gordon, spending a lot of money to keep him in here. Um, wouldn't surprise me if they keep Shelvin Mack another year. D.J. Augustin's obviously here another year. Maybe they could get some value in him. I don't know. Um, they got to, you know, someone asked um, with Evan Fournier, do you see the Magic moving moving off of Evan Fournier? I think they'll try. I don't think that they'll be able to get someone to take him quite yet. I think the deadline is probably a better chance. Deadline 2019 is a better chance to move Evan Fournier uh, at this point. Um, so I, I think that 
there 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 are definitely a lot of issues heading into the summer and definitely a lot of a lot of a lot of things up in the air. I mean that that that's that's the to be perfectly honest, it's it's a lot is up in the air. I think the Magic want to make changes, but they're gonna find it difficult to do so. Um they they might again, they might have to take a step back talent wise in order to take a step forward or to clear room to take a step forward. The draft is going to be very busy. The Magic should be very busy at the draft. They've got, I think, two or three picks in the second round. Wouldn't surprise me if they try to move back into the first round somehow or, or go make sure they get the player they want. Um, it kind of sounds like with they brought Kyle Kuzma in three times uh, over the summer when, when the Magic were out west. Uh, they confirmed that again. It kind of sounds like that the Magic thought he'd be available with their second round pick. Um, didn't want to take him at 25 and give the guaranteed money because of, the, again, the cap crunch that they're under. Um, and the Lakers surprised them by taking him uh, as early as they did. So, you know, they, maybe that that explains why the Magic passed out, uh, up on him. Um, whether you agree with that strategy, I know the, the famous the famous Weltman line that the draft flattened out is, is getting, gets a lot of flack right now, and it, it should. It, I, I think it was a miscalculation on his part. I think draft picks are valuable, and you should always spend them because they're cost-controlled players. And, and I think having a player in the, with that 25th pick would have been would have been better than not having a player with that 25th pick, but that's, that's me. Um, so that's that's where the Magic stand there. Let's uh, move on then to uh, my general thoughts of, of the past week. Um, the Magic obviously came home from that long West Coast road trip, the longest road trip of the season, winless, 0-5. And as I mentioned, uh, they, they lost to Utah pretty handily. They took a close defeat to the Lakers, one that, that they probably feel like they should have won and certainly were angry about with how the game ended. Um, they they took a, they they got pummeled by the Kings another game where they struggled to score more than eighty more than ninety points so that's actually I think four of the last six games with Matt or four of the last seven games that the Magic haven't scored um, ninety points I apologize for for getting that wrong um, and then the Magic had a close game against the King, against the Clippers probably six minutes short of a win there uh, and then got blown out against the Spurs. And this kind of yo-yoing is is what you expect from a team that's struggling as much as the Orlando Magic. I mean, I think that's that this is an inconsistent team with nothing to play for. And sometimes pride takes over. I think that's what happened Wednesday following the Magic's loss to the Spurs. Pride took over. They were desperate for a win. They got their win. And then they went back to kind of the struggles that they've had all year. They couldn't copy that success. You know, I, I, I've sat on here during this show, during the Facebook Live, during the podcast, and, and talked about my feelings about tanking. And, and, and it, 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 it's all a philosophical battle. But the reality of it is, and this is a reality I readily admit, this team is not good enough. They're going to win one game. They, they might win a game. And then they're going to go back to losing the next two or three. That's who this team is. That's who this team has been since... November. And that's part of the problem, of course. It's it's not about... These are NBA teams. Any NBA team can beat another NBA team on a given night. You've seen the Warriors lose to bad teams before, not the currently injured version of the Warriors. They have lost to these teams before. What differentiates good teams from bad teams is your ability to win games consistently. Your ability to win games on a night-to-night basis. Whether you're playing well, whether you're playing poorly, whether you're you're on a back-to-back, whether you're fresh, you know, 
doesn't matter. It's your ability to win games consistently that makes the difference. We know this. It's been the Magic's problem for six years now. That they, that they can't break these guys down. That they can't get effort consistently from night to night to night. And the Magic's loss to the Spurs brought out some comments from, from several players after the game that seemingly put into focus these struggles and these frustrations. You know, Nikola Vucevic, I thought, really said it best. Or said it really well. He said after the game, and, and, and a quote that was picked up by John Denton of OrlandoMagic.com, as well as Josh Robbins of the Orlando Sentinel, that this has been really frustrating. Like, these last six years, I, I've wanted to make things happen. I've wanted to, to see this team get to the next level. And it's frustrating to me, personally, that we haven't done that. Let me pull up the exact quote because I do think it is it is poignant and I think it's something that the Magic, obviously, are dealing with as, as a group right now. Nikola Vucevic said after that game on Tuesday, quote, It's hard with this many games left and having nothing to play for. It's not easy year after year after year for me. The frustration has really grown on me, especially the last two years. I felt like at some point we were going in the right direction, but then we took a turn downhill. It's just tough. But hopefully we can finish this season the right way and represent the magic, represent each other, and our fans. Mario Zonia had even more choice comments, saying it doesn't even feel like everyone in the organization is trying to win anymore. It's, it's definitely a frustrating... And definitely a difficult time for the Orlando Magic right now. There is there's nothing to play for but pride. And sometimes you see it come out. Sometimes, like Wednesday night after a bad loss, the Magic come out and play with the pride and the energy that we know they need every single night. But they can't reach into those reserves every night. And it feels like sometimes... They will take a punch. They will take a punch. And wilt. And that's the problem. And when you have nothing to play for, it's easy to do that. Especially when you know this roster is going to change. Like, Nikola Vucevic has his flaws. But the guy plays hard. And, I, and again, I think... And I truly believe this. I think no one bleeds for this team more than Nikola Vucevic. He's got flaws. Flaws that he, frankly, can't correct. It's just not physically in him to correct some of the, some of the things that he's not good at. But I think that when it comes to, to Vucevic... When it comes to when it comes to Vucevic, he wants this team to succeed more than anyone else. He's been here all six years of this, and frankly, it, it just again like with him, it's just time. And and when it's when it's clear that it's time, it's hard to motivate people to play. And people have asked me, "Do you think Frank Vogel has lost this team?" And I think to myself, 
He probably has. So I, I don't think it makes sense for him to try and yell at the guys or, or, or do anything more than, than be positive like he has been. I, I don't know what else he can do. The roster is flawed. The players are flawed. Coach is flawed too, obviously, but... This is a season that's quickly gone off the rails. This is a season that's quickly hit this point where no one knows what direction it's going to go next. And so that leads us to the big thing the Magic have to do the rest of the season, and that is figure out their future. And that leads us to that question from earlier about Jonathan Isaac and Aaron Gordon and how they pair together. That's, that's the big question for the Magic the rest of the season. And so I want to address that question as well as a few of your other questions before we dive a little bit deeper into the subject. Mikey Clark asks, Mikey Clark of Orlando Magic UK asks, Isaac has been outstanding for the most part defensively. I thought he was really good against Al Horford. Struggled shooting over Isaac. Yeah, I think it, it, Jonathan Isaac to me, I'm really upset that he didn't play much his rookie year because... He has been really good since coming back from injury. He has been outstanding since coming back from injury. Yes, the offense is still a long way away. Yes, he's still a shot doesn't look comfortable or fluid quite yet. But he is extremely good already uh, defensively. He makes a difference defensively. Um, the team is better defensively with him out there. Um, he did play really well against Al Horford, I agree. I thought he did a really good job on Al. He still gets out-muscled a little bit in the paint, and, and so I don't think his natural position is the four quite yet. I think right now he is a three, but with him and Aaron Gordon, you're switching him anyway. I, I, I think that's what's real interesting about the fit between Gordon and Isaac is that Isaac probably works better as a three out on the perimeter, and Gordon probably works a little bit better as a four, as a stretch four type player, as a guy who can get into the paint a little bit more. I think he's more skilled there, but really the three and the four become so fluid that they both can play those positions interchangeably. And I think that's what makes it really exciting what this pairing can do. Now, neither is is a great offensive playmaker. Neither are knockdown three-point shooters yet. Aaron Gordon's actually settled in at about like 34, 33% from beyond the arc. So he's a better three-point shooter, but not quite where the Magic need him to be yet. I think that the ma- I think that there is potential in that pairing because they do complement each other well, but both have to improve as shooters. It's not going to work if they don't improve his shooters. Um, I know a lot of people keep saying, oh, why don't the Magic play Jonathan Isaac at the five? The way Jonathan Isaac gets muscled around by fours, I'm not ready to play him at the five yet. And and really, a lot of people who say that want to use him like a Draymond Green type. The reality is, the Warriors only use Draymond Green at center for like two, three minutes at a time. It's not a regular lineup they throw out there. It's not a lineup that they throw out there for five, six minutes at a time. If the Magic play Isaac or Gordon at center, that's how they would use it. Two to three minutes, quick mat- quick matchup thing or a quick burst of energy to try and throw off throw off a bench unit especially. Um, that's how they would use it. They wouldn't use it as a regular lineup. I don't see Isaac as a five. I just don't think he has the muscle or the build to do it. Um, I really think he's a three at the end of the day. Um, obviously, that, that means that uh, the Magic have... A lot of positional issues they got to work out, and and figuring out whether Isaac and Gordon work together is really the big task of the season. Of course, Gordon right now is um, uh, Gordon right now is is hurt. He's he's going through the concussion protocol, but I suspect with Saturday off, Sunday off, Monday they'll practice. 
Tuesday they play the Toronto Raptors, so that's four days now. I suspect that Gordon will play Tuesday, and we will get to see Gordon and Isaac together on the floor. And I think that's even Coach Frank Vogel has acknowledged that that is a big thing that the Magic need to focus on the rest of the season. Uh, Zach Palmer of Orlando Magic Daily uh, on OrlandoMagicDaily.com wrote about the Jonathan Isaac Aaron Gordon pairing. The two really haven't played much together this year. It's really kind of astonishing how little they've played together. The two players have played only 67 total minutes together this season. Magic have a 96.5 offensive rating and 89.9 defensive rating in those minutes. Since the All-Star break, the Magic have only played them together for 14 minutes. 98.1 offensive rating, but a 62.3 defensive rating in those 14 minutes. Again, really small sample sizes, so we can't judge a lot. But if those trends continue... Certainly, it looks like the Magic's offense continues to struggle. So I would say the Magic, if they want this Gordon-Isaac pairing to work, need to find a, a play, an on-ball playmaker, You know, whether it's a point guard or shooting guard, someone who can create a little bit for them. Because I think a lot of the offense is going to be generated by the Magic's defense. The defensive indicators from Isaac and Gordon on the floor together, no matter who else is on the floor with them, seems to be positive. It seems to suggest that there is something defensively with that group. So again, if you add another defensive rim protector, maybe that goes from a really strong defensive lineup to an elite defensive lineup, no matter who else you put out there. Maybe if you add a, another, like a, a playmaking point guard or a scoring point guard, maybe that goes from a, an intriguing but struggling offensive group with a good defense to at least an average offensive group with a good defense. And if you're an average offensive group with a good defense, that might be enough to make it worthwhile. Regardless of that, these sample sizes are really small. Um, regardless of that, um, the sample size for the Magic is really, really, really small with this group. And so the Magic need to play them together. When Aaron Gordon comes back, I would move Mario Azonia back to the bench and just keep starting Jonathan Isaac, uh, even on the minutes restriction. I want to see Jonathan Isaac out there on the floor with my best players, including Aaron Gordon. I think that is absolutely critical and the number one thing the Magic have to accomplish this season. Um, I think that that is absolutely uh, critical for the team moving forward. So the Magic obviously have that big question to answer. It's, it was my big question coming out coming into the fourth quarter of the season. Like how much how many minutes can the Magic get Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac together? Can this work? If it can work, Orlando is in very, very good shape all of a sudden. Or at least it looks like they're in good shape. And, and I've I've said this for a while since it was clear the Magic are going to get a top draft pick. The Magic draft having Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Isaac, and whoever they pick in this year's draft, to me, is a solid core to start with. It may take some time. It may take a few years. I mean, even if you don't get the number one overall pick or number two overall pick or top three pick, you're still going to get a very good player in that top six or seven group. Right now, the Magic have the fourth best odds in the lottery. I would suspect that means they'll draft fourth or fifth. And I think you can get a very, very good player um, with that selection. So I'm not concerned about the Magic building something. I think that they will get a player that will complement these players very, very well. Um, and they'll begin building what looks like a functioning team, maybe. Um, it's 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 definitely definitely a big question and a big issue for the Magic 
uh, overall that 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 they have to they have to look at and have to deal with. Uh, so definitely a lot to get to for the Magic on that front. Seeing what Isaac and Gordon can do together, and I think they can work together. They need some shooting. They both need to improve as shooters individually. They need shooting around them. I'd like to see them with uh, a, at least a more solid defensive center, um, more solid than Biombo at least, uh, and, and and you know a center that can at least score a little bit, um, uh, run the floor with them, uh, get them out and transition a little bit more. But um, obviously Isaac still has a long way to go offensively. Gordon, I still think, has a ways to go offensively as well. So definitely some some big issues there for the Magic. Let's wrap up today's show. I'm going to finish up, finish up with some of your questions. So if you have any last-minute questions that you want to ask me um, that, that maybe didn't get answered during the show, you can drop them in the comments right there uh, on the Facebook Live. If you're listening on Lockdown Magic, you can, of course, always tweet at me at philiprr__omd or at omagicdaily. Um, Anthony Curtin asks, should we keep Vogel? Um, this probably in response to the Orlando Sen- Josh Robbins of the Orlando Sentinel wrote a pretty long article um, describing the situation with Frank Vogel and, and suggesting that Frank Vogel is on the hot seat. He's not the first person to suggest that. Mitch, I think it was Mitch Lawrence of Sporting News reported a while back that um, that that the Magic kind of seemingly had an, had an idea of a plan if they moved on from Frank Vogel. Um, I'm of the opinion that uh, the Magic should keep Frank Vogel. Um, I don't think that it would be it would benefit Jonathan Isaac or Aaron Gordon to switch coaches again. Um, I think that the problem with the team is the players, not the coaches. Um, I think we've seen in how Mario Zoni has developed, how even Jonathan Isaac's developed, how Aaron Gordon's developed, even how Nikola Vucevic has improved on the defensive end a little bit. Um, it, it hasn't shown as much lately, but before his injury, he was playing the best defense of his career. I think you got to give Frank Vogel some credit for that and his coaching staff for that. And I think after changing coaches so many times over the last three seasons— the Magic could use some stability there. Clearly to me, the players are of the problem. Not that they're bad players or anything, but the players are, to me, the issue for the team. They need to flip over the players. They need to move the players on to... Uh, they need to move the players off, off the roster to improve the team. And so I think that... That's the direction the Magic should go. They should focus on flipping over the roster, flipping over the players, flipping over the team, rather than focusing on changing the coach. Now, if Jeff Waltman decides, I want to restart this whole thing, I want to start completely over, then yeah, change coach, get your own guy in. At that point, I would even say, let Aaron Gordon walk. Um, I know someone asked earlier, do you think the Magic could get a sign-in trade for Aaron Gordon? Sign-in trades are really tricky and complicated. Um, the Magic certainly could. Um, I... I suspect that the Magic would prefer to re-sign him. I think the Magic will re-sign him, in fact, because um, just from a marketing standpoint, fans are going to be really ticked off if if they let Aaron Gordon walk, especially after the way Victor Oladipo developed after he left the team. So I think that the Magic are kind of going to stick with Aaron Gordon for a little while longer. Um, I don't see a reason why not to. I, I'm, I'm impressed by his growth. I know what he can do when he's given a, health, a full, healthy summer to improve. He will get better. Um, the, kid, the kid works hard. I don't think the money will go to his head. The only thing that's kind of gone to his head, I would say, is, is, is the role that the Magic have put him in. Um, you know, that, that, that part, I think, is still developing. I think he's still learning how to be the number one guy or, or, or handle that responsibility. Um, but I, I don't think that the Magic should focus on changing that. I think they need to change the other parts of the core. They got Gordon, they got Isaac. We know that Vogel is a good coach. He can coach defense. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big DeAndre Ayton guy. 
Aiton, to me, has defensive talent. He just doesn't really have defensive instincts. I think Vogel can teach him that. I think Vogel is the kind of coach that can teach someone that. He taught it to Roy Hibbert and rode Roy Hibbert to the Eastern Conference Finals for two straight years. Um, and Aiton's a much better player than Roy Hibbert was in college, to be perfectly frank. Um, so I think that the Magic have a good development culture that they're starting to build, and I'd hate to see them put a stop to it um, and and restart again. Like, uh, like if you're going to restart, restart the whole thing. Let Gordon walk, get a new coach in, rebuild with Isaac and whoever you draft. That's kind of the position that, that I'm in right now. Um, I think I think Vogel has done everything he can with this group. Um, I think there's a deep... I said this last year, that the rot felt very, very deep. Um, I think that there is a very deeply embedded culture that Vogel and Weltman have to break. And a big part of breaking it is getting, is, is frankly, getting rid of some of the old players. I'm sorry to those guys, but um, there, there's there's a lot of scarring from the last five years that the Magic just need to kind of root out and, and grab. So um, so it, it's, it's definitely a big, big question. Um, John Kadig... Asking about the draft, the Magic get the number one pick and take Aiden. What do you think about the Magic taking two, the two second round picks and moving up in the draft to take Jalen Brunson? This is an idea that I've heard a lot of Magic fans suggest. Um, using that second round pick to find a starting point guard because there are a lot of veteran point guards toward the second round of the draft or in the late first round of the draft. Guys like Jalen Brunson, um, like I'm trying to think of names here, so I apologize if I'm going to have to look them look up real fast. I haven't done my deep draft dive yet. Um, I'll usually hit that after the season. But, um, you know, looking at some of these guys late in the draft, um, you know, you've got your, let's see here. You've got your Trevon Duvall, who's a very talented player from Duke. Your Tony Carr from from. Penn State, who had a fantastic season for the for the Nittany Lions, um, Troy Brown of Oregon, uh, Aaron Holiday is a little bit of a chucker from UCLA, um, you know Jalen Brunson, uh, Raleigh Raleigh Alkins, if you can convert him into uh, into a point guard, um, Jalen Brunson from Villanova is very very good. Uh, he'd be a very very strong pick uh, in the second round. Um, Shake Milton of SMU, six foot six point guard, would definitely fit what the Magic want to build as far as that. Uh, Javon Carter from West Virginia. Um, even a local guy, Joel Berry, uh, Lake Highland, Lake Highland alum, go Highlanders uh, from North Carolina, could be uh, an interesting point guard option, a veteran guy. You know, not someone maybe you'd want to start full time, but someone maybe worth developing as well. There are some point guards that he had late. Devontae Graham from Kansas. There are some veteran strong point guards to be had in the second round of this draft, in the early second round of this draft, and that's why I'm not as concerned about getting a point guard. At the top of the draft, if the Magic want to, they can. Um, Trey Young's there. Colin Sexton's there. Um, you can get obviously Luka Doncic, who I think is probably the, the best player in the draft. Um, uh, I, I watched Shy Gilgius Alexander. Sorry if I mispronounced that name. Uh, I watched Shy Alexander for the first time yesterday. Kid is really good. Um, uh, like his length is really impressive. Um, he played a fantastic game. He's got a good shot. I mean, I, I wouldn't surprise me if he shoots up draft boards and, and is into that second tier of guys. After that top seven, Kyrie Thomas of Creighton is pretty solid. The, the, the bulk of the point guards in this draft are mid to late first round guys. So if the Magic do really need a point guard and really like one of these guards, they can either stick with their pick. Um, they'll pick, um, it looks like, 41st in the second round, although I think they, the Toronto pick they have, they're going to be giving a second round pick to Toronto this year, um, I believe. Um, they'll be picking in the, in the 40s. Or 
you can try and trade up or, or use or find a way to trade up into the sec into the late first round and get one of these point guards. There there will be options for them, and I think even though they'll be second round picks, they're guys that could end up being first round caliber guys. I mean, Keenan Evans from Texas Tech's a really athletic guard. Um, you know, there there are really good point guards in this draft. So, um, but not like starter all star caliber point guards. They're just very good solid potential point guards that you might take a little bit develop, might have some flaws, may not really project to be starters, but for a young team like the Magic, maybe can get away with them being a starter for a year or two. So definitely some definitely some options there if the Magic don't go point guard in the first round. I'm not one who thinks the Magic need to focus on need in the draft. They just need to get more talent. Um, they can figure out and fill out the roster later. That part isn't so important. Um, Akeem Bar- Barrage asks, is there potential to land Austin Rivers at point guard and draft Mobamba? He and Isaac's length could be good. I think Mo Bamba is a very, very realistic option for the Magic. Um, for the Magic at, set, at in the draft, no matter where they're drafting, they could be drafting third. I have Mo Bamba third on my board right now. Um, I think Orlando could very easily draft Mo Bamba with the third overall pick if that's where the Magic end up in the draft. Um, I think that he is uh, obviously the defensive length is exactly what the Magic want. He's shown. Uh, an ability to hit jumpers, although I don't think it's developed yet. I think he's still extremely raw on the offensive end. Uh, but it, it, you can't miss Mo Bamba when he's on the floor. It's not a coincidence that Texas lost that game to Nevada when Mo Bamba fouled out. Um, he makes a huge difference defensively. And honestly, the foul that he fouled out on, I don't think it was a foul. I think that he, I think he was straight up. I think that he defended it really, really well. And college officials are just garbage so uh, I, I don't worry so much about I don't worry so much about that um, I think that that he'll grow into his body physically still uh, and grow some basketball skills and I think he's the exact kind of player that John Hammond has drafted plenty of times in the past um Bobby Tyrone asking me package anything with Biamba to get rid of him probably not for something you want um remember back at the trade deadline the Knicks reportedly offered Yokim Noah uh, and a second-round pick for Alfred Payton and Bismack Biombo, and the Magic said, no, we'd rather just keep Biombo. That's the kind, those are the kind of offers you're going to get for for Bismack Biombo. It's not going to be a lot. I think we're still another year away from potentially trading Bismack Biombo just as a salary dump. Um, you're going to have to take back bad salary to trade out bad salary. And so maybe there's a team that likes Biombo enough, but they're not going to give you anything of value. They're going to give you a contract they don't want either. And so you got to be willing to take back a contract you don't want. And so if it's if the years are the same, if the money's the same, maybe you take a little bit more money, maybe you do it. But you're kind of stuck with Biombo. That contract is an albatross around their neck. There's just not a lot you can do. Um, good point, Michael Wilson, pointing out um, some other point guards like Anthony Simmons, Shamori Pons. Um, I'm still I'm still learning a lot of this draft class. Um, I, I focused a lot on the top guys, so I'm, I'm going to do my deep dive. On this draft class, after the season ends, um, you know we've got articles coming out as well from some of our writers talking about some of these guys late in the draft. I believe Drew Miller did one on Friday, um, talking about some some late uh, some late uh, first round prospect, some late first round picks that they could uh, that the Magic could look at as well. So um, definitely, definitely a lot of players to look at. Definitely a lot of. Um, a lot of guys that the Magic can look at. The draft is still way far away, so let's let's uh, let's we'll, we'll we'll keep an eye on it. I'm obviously watching the NCAA tournament right now too, uh, so we'll keep an eye on some of these players as well. Well, with no other questions remaining, that's going to do for me. Uh, there was one one question um, uh, that was asked earlier. I'm blanking on who asked it, but um, there won't be Orlando Magic daily Facebook lives once the season ends. I'll do a big season recap, and that'll kind of be it. And I'll 
I'll, I'll make announcements about that on Locked On Magic, but I'm, I'm just doing this during the season. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and do this every Sunday um, when, when there isn't necessarily something to talk about. But, you know, maybe I'll pop in again every once in a while. So be sure, if you don't already, to subscribe to Locked On Magic, the daily podcast of Orlando Magic Daily, covering Orlando Magic with conversations just like the one we've had today talking about the big issues facing the Orlando Magic. So be sure to check that out. Be sure to interact with the show there. Um, while we won't do it live all the time, you can always interact with the show at Locked On Magic, as well as follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd, omagicdaily, and Locked On Magic. So plenty of ways to interact with the show. You can subscribe to Locked On Magic on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. I am tentatively planning, as I always do, to do the Orlando Magic Daily Google Hangout for the NBA Draft Lottery. So definitely, definitely, definitely uh, be on the lookout for that. I believe the Draft Lottery this year is May 14th, so mark your calendars. We'll do a live live show talking about the NBA Draft Prospects as well as the Orlando Magic season heading into the Draft Lottery, and then we'll watch the Draft Lottery live. Uh, the big board set up for the draft. It's not set up for the draft right now. It's set up for the season. Um, but we'll, we'll have plenty to talk about on that day, so definitely definitely be sure to check out that show. I'll have more details as well about that on OrlandoMagicDaily.com, on Locked on Magic, and of course on the Facebook page right here. That's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening. You can of course follow me on Twitter at philipr underscore omd and at omagicdaily for the latest on the Orlando Magic. Be sure to check out OrlandoMagicDaily.com. And if you haven't, again, subscribe to Locked on Magic on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. Until next week for another Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossman Reich. I will see you all again next time for another Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live and, of course, on Tuesday for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.